0: Hello, welcome to Tip Manor podcast. It is going to be a busy one today. Lots to cover. We've got three games to catch up on. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, Gillingham and Wigan. The transfer window has opened and closed. Uh, we've got League One wrap. We've got Pompey on Saturday. That's going to be a spicy one to talk about. And then we'll be done. Aim for under an hour won't happen, but we'll see. Uh, who have we got on today? Me, James. We've got Jack. Hi, Jack. Hello. Hi, John. Good evening morning and whenever okay thanks very good and uh special guest second appearance james roberts what's your official title again chief executive
1: call me what you like
0: uh super duper (laughs) sports reporter james roberts oxford mail i
1: will go with that i can be that
0: (laughs) how you doing how's um Lockdown, well, lockdown life's ended and now you're kind of back to normal. Is it back to normal? We are just talking a little bit pre-pod about...
2: I think we should call it transfer window recovery. How's recovery going? Yeah.
1: I think that's exact, that's a good point. I'm very much in the stage of, uh, if it was a hangover, it'd be sort of 10 in the morning when you're kind of <laughs> not really, you're struggling to get your head off the bed and <laughs> maybe, not, uh, maybe not ready to see the light of day, but uh, I'm getting there.
0: Do you end up working just crazy hours? Do you make the time back up? Do you get paid overtime? Is this a sore subject?
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I wish if I got. I think someone asked that on the blog on Monday night. Do you get paid overtime? And I, I wanted to say if I did, I don't think I'd work for the rest of the week because, uh, I mean, it's <laughs> it's just part of the deal, isn't it? Especially on deadline day. I think yeah. there are two days of the of the year where you know you're going to do like an absolutely stupid shift. And, and it's uh, summer and winter deadline, though.
0: That's it. It's your duty to bring the news to the yellow people. Indeed. There you go. Um, speaking of news, a couple of quick things to run through. Um, the women's team beat Pompey 3-1 to continue their 100% record at home. I haven't checked the table for a while, but they were doing really well. And um, generally, every time I saw, there was just a few games at hand all over the place, so I could never quite work out where they were. But that's excellent. Great. Great to see that going on. I know my family, my niece has been going to see them play and they're really enjoying it. Um, Senior Cup win v Kidlington. That's a big one. Who put these notes in? Who's like... Who fo- do you think you've you sold put me the key
3: notes in? <laughs>
0: Chambers Perillion was playing though. What a strike, of course. Got, his
3: goal it. was incredible. Really? Yeah. And see, it's... you're missing out on all the key points, James.
2: And it's football in Kidlington. You know, here we go. Okay. Where was it played? Probably not. At well, yeah. Close it, to the uh,
1: New site. It was Yarnson Road. I can, but I can tell you second-hand info that everyone in Kidlington apparently was really pleased with the idea of Oxford United coming to town. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good sign.
0: Can someone describe the goal? What was it? Like, you kind uh,
2: of, like a left foot. He sort of cut in and just out of nowhere sort of looped it over like left foot top, left foot, left foot top left corner top left foot I didn't think he had a left corner. foot so I was very surprised when he did what?
0: that is he just coming back from um
3: injury or something is he planning to get back in the fold he'd been on loan at. that's it and we recalled haven't was it I think but he's had Covid at least once so I think it's not been the, the loan no. spell we probably wanted
0: that was it he had a couple of bouts of it hadn't he? and then he hadn't managed to recover so okay have you been reporting on that James As in haven't, or... Well, as in... (laughs) I see what you did there. I haven't. (laughs) No, as in um, chambers Perillion. So is he he planning to come back in the fold, you
1: know? I don't... I feel like there's not a kind of plan for him to be back in towards the end of the season, which is strange because for the last... Well, I'm sure we'll get onto this, but when there's been six on the bench for the last few weeks, you'd think he'd be kind of sort of number one on the list, probably even above Goodrum. I know Goodrum's on loan, but... uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I I feel like the squad is what the squad is right now.
0: Cool. Okay. Other goals from Odonka and Smith. Um under drew with the scum up the road and uh, beat Bristol Rovers. There you go. Stadium stuff. Um this I thought is worth covering this just before we get into the wormhole of transfer chatter, which we'll inevitably end up in. Um But yeah, consultation is open. Um, All fans, we obviously talked about this last time we were on the pod, which was the first time we had an opportunity to talk about it. But yeah, please get all family members, husbands, wives, friends, uh, pets to respond. It's open until the 21st of February. Uh, Oxfox have released a good guide on how to respond and more importantly, how to write to the council and your local councillors as well to show your support. So you can be doing both. James, when it comes to this, what's it been like covering for the paper? I guess the first question I wanted to ask you was, did you kind of have insight to what was going on? And because this is a wider issue for Oxford, not just about the football as well. So how's that kind of been playing out in the, the world of the Oxford Mail?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, when that letter got leaked on the, I think it was the Sunday night, um, I was actually at an Oxford City Stars ice hockey game, you know, supporting <laughs> Oxfordshire sport, and uh, I have to be honest, the feeling in my stomach when I saw that letter uh, <laughs> come out was just because, as you can imagine, you know, we'd been given some insight into what was happening and when, um, and yeah, uh, but since then, really, it's been mad. I was kind of making the joke during the, the transfer window that it's a good job that. Oxford hadn't signed anyone because uh, it was kind of busy enough but yeah it's, it's been interesting because it's been a bit like back when I was a sort of a news reporter for a couple of years doing covering council meetings and consultations and things like that and speaking to local clubs and businesses and things so uh, yeah it's been a, I mean at the end of the day it's just such a buzz to be able to do it I think because when I put the paper to bed on the night after the news had been formally announced, and obviously we went quite big on it for news and sport. Yeah. I almost felt, I don't want to say emotional, because I don't want to over-egg it, but do you know what I mean? I felt quite proud to have done that paper, if that made sense, because it's such a big thing for the club and for the area. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Did it, was it a case of, so that letter obviously got leaked and it was everywhere, but we'd seen prior kind of when it came to the takeover news some kind of coordinated press releases for some of that stuff so it felt like the stadium like an announcement on the stadium would have been one of those like next things so the club line it up they talk to the council but is it just really difficult to line all of the things up so you can stop them distributing a letter to wasn't it a letter that was going to the clubs that are playing at stratfield break
1: that actually kind of yeah it wasn't someone. It wasn't like someone at United dropped the ball. It, you know, it was kind of the council had to give fair warning to these clubs that there was going to be massive news about the place that they play. You know, and uh, obviously, if it's gone to however many clubs and however many people, it's gonna. It's like transfers, really. You know, how many transfers yeah, have been a, yeah. a real surprise when they when they happen? They always sort of leak out in some way.
0: Did, did you think? Um, I guess, what's your personal opinion on the whole thing? And I weren't, wasn't the thing straight? I didn't get to watch the stream, but Jack, you did, didn't you? I remember we talked about it on the last pod. But is it quite difficult to be... You've Obviously, you've got some, similar to Pritch, you're kind of invested in the yellow and blue side of life. And um, you've got to be objective, I guess, don't you, to hear the other sides of it and then obviously didn't then report on both sides and everything else. So how's that for you?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because like you say, it's, there's so much more to it than just a football club, you know, wanting to move stadium. You've got all the st- stuff about Greenbelt and things like that. And, uh, I, I think I'm, my position is slightly easier while obviously I have to be objective because, you know, I concentrate on the club, you know, every day anyway, you know, it's kind of like, it's okay to give sort of Oxbox and, and people like that sort of, quite a lot of airtime, if that makes sense because you know they are you know it's what people are talking about and it's kind of uh, realistically as well when you're doing the Oxford United side of things you're probably going to get more favourable views than, than less favourable views I think on the on the news side you find it the other way around and I think you had the headline on the Oxford Times the week it came out was something like green belt I think it was eco fears over stadium plan or something like that and that's just, you know, I that's no kind of coordinated attempt to, you know, push it down or anything like that. It's just, uh, you know, you're talking probably in that side of things to the, the councillors and the campaigners rather than the football fans. and the. How,
2: how do you feel the sort of balances on, on the ground? Because I do know that, like, letter sections are important and you do take it seriously, people writing in and giving their views. But what's your feel on the sort of, not percentage wise, but cause obviously you're getting both sides, I imagine
1: yeah I th- I think weirdly normally you get like the vocal ones of the people against it if that makes sense whereas mm-hmm. there's been such kind of a swell especially when the consultation started there was such a kind of push for you know have your say you know you know and and, and let's be honest a lot of that was Oxford Oxford supporters saying you know support this say that you want this there it feels like obviously we had that John Hill man. <laughs> um, it uh, was the a man. In yeah. my mind When <laughs> yeah. I was, yeah. He was. He's probably been. I can't think of another sort of individual that I've noticed for anyone than being just a sort of a commenter on an article or something like that. If that makes sense. It's encouraging.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: He's a Swindon fan.
0: <laughs> probably um, Lee Power or someone like that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw there was like banners being put on the roundabout that was like humphrey and margaret from gosford support oufc i was like that's what you need to be doing on top of
1: the consultation (laughs) but i mean that that is a very good sign like you know we joke about it but the fact that it's already got banners like that and we you know we're not even at the stage of you know we're like two stages away from planning permission the fact that people are already talking about that has got to be a good sign for the power of
2: the image you know get your banners get your banners done it's also interesting
0: that there seems to be someone that's running a Twitter account that's camping at Stratfield Break, oh, yeah. posting a picture every 10 minutes of, well, what the only thing that doesn't quite sit well with me is some of the pictures are of kind of wildlife and images of, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, there's a long way to go. I think we said before, he's going to be very, you know, kept very busy over the next few years, if that's, if that's gonna if that account's going to keep running. Oh, well, um, it's still obviously very exciting, but um, yeah, just a reminder, everyone definitely go and have a look at um, the Oxfox Twitter page, and I'm sure you'll find all the links that you need to kind of get, get involved um, and support the cause. Um, right, transfer window stuff. So we know about your tiredness, James, um, but you're looking all right. You're looking on form. Um, if we Let's start with the people that have left the club, um, with Mr. Fornley, who... Similar to Dave Pritchard, just can't let go, and he was um, he was there last night in the the away end. I found that interesting though. KR's comments. I think John, we were listening to the radio on the way back, weren't we, from Wigan? And Carl was talking about um, the bitterness of the transfer window. I think I dug it out from something you posted, James, on the Oxford Mail Twitter. But he said the bitterness of the transfer window is clearly evident. It's frustrating because he's probably my player of the year up to this point. I'd like to remind everyone I called Jordan Fornley as player of the year at the beginning of the season, um, in pre-season predictions based on absolutely nothing. But KR agrees, um, so that's good for me. What it's do you the, think about the Four? There's no points sorry, for half a season. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but you know, I'm kind of taking it. Who did um, Jack Had Seddon? That's the I only one, Seddon, other one yeah. I remember. He's doing all right. I've got some good stats on Seddon. I'll talk about it later. <laughs> what, what do you reckon, James, about the Fawnley situation? Like, do you? It must be interesting because you probably know more than you can divulge. But we, the way, obviously, we were all looking at it is, it looked like a bit of a, I don't know, a, a move um, like a spoilt move from Blackpool to pull him back in. But he was straight in the team playing Fulham, wasn't he? And Mitrovic and Co, who just score seven goals every week, apparently. And then, yeah, it's an interesting one.
1: Yeah, I think. Although it's quite a nice narrative to have, sort of, oh, Blackpool didn't get their way, and therefore, you know, record I, I think that it was a genuine need. Obviously, I know that United really wanted to keep him because I don't think I think I don't think that's just words from Carl. I think he, you know, he does genuinely, really, really rate him. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was for me. I it's almost felt like for me the Thornley situation has been. He's almost more valued now he's gone. Does that make sense? It felt like... he. I I thought, personally, he's been very steady the whole first half of the season. But it felt like maybe the last two or three weeks he'd kind of been... Not gone off the boil, but, you know, he'd been a little bit bullied in a couple of games and and things like that. And, And while I would absolutely love it if he'd stayed, I feel like it's him going makes kind of... You know, it's like when a player's injured... You know, Alex Gorin at the moment is like, oh, the player everyone needs because uh, because he's injured and obviously kind of do in that position. But but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one because I don't think it was as simple as Blackpool throwing their toys at the pram. But you know, it's a it's a frustrating one, and it must be frustrating for him to have been the sort of you know toy yeah. in
2: that. How have you found KR this transfer window compared to to others? Because he's been. Far more reserved, far more cryptic, and at times, undecipherable. Whereas in the past, it's kind of, we want him, we want that. And you obviously get probably that couple of seconds to sort of get in his ear and say, could you give me a hand? <laughs> could you give me a hand here? What's he been like this window? Because, you know, I suppose we'll get onto it. It was kind of, oh, we've got three or four coming in. And then, you know, things break throughout the throughout the window. But it'd be interesting to get your what, what, you, what he's been like this, this time as opposed to last.
1: Yeah, it's it's been. I, I did prefer him when he used to say, "I want four wingers, two centre backs," <laughs> <laughs> because at that point you kind of kind of knew where you were going. But um, no, he's it's it's been strange because he's been, you know, whenever you you ask him about a player, and you know, I'd think as a reporter you are completely within your rights, if especially if it's someone like Jermaine Defoe, you know, to ask is there anything in that. He he's just every single time gone, no comment, no no comment, and um. That that's that's fine to an extent. It was the the kind of the of Wednesday, post shepherd Wednesday interview, things like that, where he was just, he, he was clearly, and he knows this and he's admitted it, he was doing it for someone else. He wasn't doing it for the fans. He wasn't doing it for, for us. He was maybe talking to Marcus Brown, I don't know, maybe talking to Jermaine Defoe or, you know, there was... Uh, there what did was... he
0: say? Like, he obviously then said afterwards that was intentionally got exactly what he wanted out of it. But to everyone else, it was just like a lot of words, and I did—I literally had no idea. I didn't know if he was talking about people at the club, people coming into the club, anything.
2: It was but, when he went, uh, should I be chasing people? Shove it up where the sun doesn't shine. And it was like, <laughs> well, you kind of need to chase people because that's your job. But he was obviously making a point about players that were not quite committing. I guess. But
0: I—I I read it as psych. I just was reading it as in it was about Sykes and. His head's been turned, and he doesn't want to be here, and blah blah blah. But then uh, someone else next to me just interpreted it completely differently. It was like, oh no, it's about incoming people, and I was just like, all right, I give up.
1: That's the end. Well, that's the interesting. I, I wrote something last week that it's been so kind of down to interpretation that it has literally left a lot of you know, it's left a lot of us guessing, in, including kind of me, <laughs> to be honest. A lot say, of the time, yeah. you know, he kind of. Sometimes you kind of you have a steer, or you know he says something, and you kind of think, okay, I know what he's talking about. But yeah, that interview, for example, I literally he could have talk, been talking about any player or agent or manager. I I did not have a clue.
0: Do you do you expect we'll see um, Fawnley back in a yellow shirt at some point?
1: Uh, genuine, genuinely, I, I don't know anything. All I'd say is I know how much Carl likes him, and he did say earlier in the season. Uh, he didn't deny that he'd like him on a permanent. So uh, I guess it just depends if Blackpool take up the option. Cause uh, if he's, That's out it, contract...
0: he's out of contract. Yeah. It, and uh, it was quite publicized that he was used as a make way in a potential Brannigan deal, but it looked like that was kind of put to bed where we didn't think the valuation of Fawnley was quite right. And then it was then reported somewhere that Brannigan, like a seven figure sum eventually came in for Brannigan. Um, again is that something that you were kind of made aware of or things that have been talked about like a final bid on deadline day?
1: Yeah I mean it was it was annoying because I think we were fairly confident that about a while before deadline day that that was it with Blackpool and Brannigan it seemed like they'd turned their attentions elsewhere and then I don't know whether it was the four penalties at Gillingham that, that swung <laughs> it all. Or... Well, yeah,
0: we're all saying don't be breaking records and getting that extra publicity. My
1: God. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, you heard it sort of coming through and I mean, it, it, it was true. You know, it's it's been reported elsewhere. They did submit two bids uh, for him in that final, I think, 24 hours or so. But I just felt, I, I, you know, it, the buyout... Had uh, expired. It's expired. Now. Yeah. So I think it was just a case of, well, we're not going to say yes with five hours left of the window. You know, when you're not going to get a better player.
0: That was Jack. I think we were talking about that at one point. But Blackpool could have had their man if they, you know, subject to personal terms, if they really wanted him. Like, well, this
3: this is the thing, isn't it? Because over the summer window and this window, they must have put in what eight bids, maybe. So they want him, but. They know what the position has been since last January because it's not a surprise that he's got a clause in his deal. That's why he's still at the club because we put a clause in his contract. So to just continually muck about. Just, I maybe there was some underhand tactic on. They th- they thought they could unsettle them or something. But you know, I assume we just press go on this again in in May when we see where we've ended up.
0: Yeah. Maybe they're playing a game where they don't really know the where the clause is, so they just keep putting in a bid until it has to be accepted. Um, okay. Anyway, um, on Sykes, because obviously he hasn't left the club. Was there something in the that Wigan offer that that came in? Obviously, it was quite timely, knowing we were playing playing them. But that was an interesting one. I think a lot of people thought he would have been out the door.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I believe there was. I don't. All I. All I know is I believe there was, and I don't know how much or anything, but uh, I, I think it was just a kind of let's test the resolve. He's got a few hours left where they can get a fee for him and uh, and see where we get, and and probably a bit of shit housing with uh, a. <laughs> am I allowed to swear on the podcast? You're allowed, of course, you're allowed. <laughs> I, I just it's couldn't remember. Late, i too late. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, sorry, mum, if you're listening to this, but um, <laughs> but, uh, but but yeah, I think it was. I think it, there was a bid. I don't. I don't know how much, uh, but it was probably a kind of. Can we persuade them? But I, I'm pretty sure I didn't. We can sign a midfielder anyway on deadline no, days. So I think they were fairly yeah. well stocked.
2: I mean, the one that we all got excited about was not necessarily as a guarantee he was coming in, but Sammy Schmoditz. Probably butchered that name, but I mean, how does sort of how does some of those links come into the mix when? You know, in theory, if Sykes had gone, quite a few of us were saying, "Well, he'd be a hell of a replacement." But you know, you're needing a few eggs to fall in the right place. But when those names start flying in, how do you sort of filter, and how do they come to you, and how do you sort of decide how best, how much credence to give those sort of things? Because we kind of look at it and go, "Yeah, it all makes sense," but hmm. so many things need to fall, and it's it's agents chucking names around, I guess, and whatever. But I'd be interested to sort of see when that sort of stuff comes in.
1: Yeah, it's um. I mean, it's strange because I, I have to be honest, I don't really enjoy transfer windows. <laughs> and and uh, part it's partly because it does just feel like there's just name after name after name. And, and a lot of the time you can just push it to the side straight away because it, maybe the source isn't that reliable or you, you know that they're not looking for a player in that position or something like that. You know, so... But it's when it's someone like a schmodix who uh, you kind of think, well, actually, that would make sense, and that would be, you know, if if a Sykes, for example, left, well, yeah, that was the conclusion we got to was,
0: oh, Sykes leaves, Schmoldex maybe good replacement, similar oh, you're position. You an upgrade there, aren't
1: you? Really? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, he scored like sixteen, seventeen from that attacking midfield position in the year they went up. Yeah. So, Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it's strange because sometimes you'll hear a name and and you know already because you've sort of been tipped off and sometimes you'll hear a name that's completely out of the blue and it's just, that's why you sometimes get so many coming at you and and a lot of them, you know, I'm completely happy to admit are completely out of the blue. It'll be like, oh, Oxford United are interested in this player and I'm like... Well, I didn't know that <laughs> you know, I've got no idea, but um...
2: i kinda I kind of miss that with transfer windows though it feels like half the time you know Jack, you know about all these sort of forum in the no types, like it almost feels like there's no surprises at times anymore, but I appreciate you're probably getting a bit more of stuff chucked at you in in all manner of degrees
0: yeah, yeah. It, well is that in the no thing though in the forums, I actually stay away from it because I find it quite stressful. I also find it weird that people that are in the know go into forums. Like It's like a knowledge is power, let me tell you all the things type thing. It's a strange... Yeah, they must not be getting on well with their sources or their sources must not not know that they post in forums. It's an
3: interesting one. Talking of tip-offs, James, obviously it was widely assumed that Marcus Brown was done before the Gillingham game. And I think even his interview on iFollow was clearly done a few days before the announcement is it hard for you in that position because presumably you know it's done but you can't officially say it's done so you've got to go along the lines of it um Ox United is set to sign Marcus Brown or it has been reported elsewhere is that a much harder kind of stance to take because you know something is done but you can't actively say
1: it yeah yeah it's one that's exactly it and uh especially when it's something like that, when it's so kind of obvious that, you know, the Charlton move for Brown have broken down. So where else is he going to go? Kind of thing. Um, Yeah. A lot of this, I mean, at the end of the day, it's important to keep that relationship with the club, isn't it? And not be breaking story, assigning 24 hours before they want to announce it or whatever. So, um yeah, it, it, I mean, it's, it, it is difficult and it's especially difficult, you know, football insider is both a, <laughs> an interesting resource for kind of like, you know, literally some of it is news for me, but it's also very annoying because <laughs> <laughs> you'll get like, I think, I think with Smith, Oshie and Smith, they announced sort of about three hours before that it, it was, it was done or it was one of those. I can't remember, but um, yeah, you, a lot of the time you just have to stay quiet. It's, uh, it, it's difficult because it almost kind of then looks like, okay, well, I don't know if people l I don't know if people um look into it this much, but it's like why are they staying quiet? I don't know if people think that do the people think, Oh, are they staying quiet because they're just late to the party and they haven't picked it up yet? Are they late? Are they staying quiet yeah. because they know it's happened? Then you kind of just know that there's probably gonna be all these sort of oh, why are the Oxford Mail not reporting it? Maybe people don't care, maybe people don't even look at the Oxford Mail. <laughs> <now. laughs> Did the um, did the club give a rationale for why they wanted to keep
3: it for a few days, or were you just told, you know, it's going to be X o'clock on Monday, and that's it?
1: I mean, I don't think I, genuinely, I don't think, I don't think it was that long before it happened. I can't, I can't remember when. I don't think it was that long before it happened that we were told it was done. So I I think, as far as we were concerned, it was just, you know, that was when. But um. I mean, yeah, we we literally spoke to him about... As in Marcus, we spoke to Brown about an hour and a half before it was announced or something like that anyway. So it wasn't like we'd done the interview a week before. Yeah.
0: So what about the other people that left? Joel Cooper's gone to Port Vale, which I think is a good move because a lot of people want to see him stick in the EFL and have a good go at it. Dan Adji had the worst intro picture I've ever seen <laughs> as he joined Crew, which... They must have been having a laugh with, or the the photographer just wanted wants a different career or something. Um, poor Dan, but has he? He's got on the he played ninety minutes, didn't he? But they lost, yeah. To they lost laugh. to Gilligan, yeah. So he, you
3: know,
0: <laughs> I mean, I still foresee Aggie starting against us on Tuesday. You know, a Tuesday night in a couple of weeks or whenever it is when we go there, and I think all Oxford fans are going to be petrified of that. Um, it's just you might as well start writing it now,
1: James. Um, what's going to happen? I can happen there? see the intro already. Dan Agui scored an <laughs> unbelievable hat trick. His oxygen United <laughs> lost four three to Crew. Oh. Um,
0: there So the, I guess we all called Cooper and Adji, Um Jamie Hansen's still around? Is he? Is he in? He's injured though, isn't he? So he's not going anywhere. I forget. But I'm guessing there's nothing in. He's just sticking around. There was there was no, not ever any sense that he would be leaving the club. I don't know, James, if yeah, you I mean, he's, anything.
1: It, yeah, he's, it's a hamstring injury. I think he picked oh, it up crocked, Was crocked. It in the Cheltenham game, I think. All in of the... his
0: injuries blend into one for me, so <laughs> I just don't know when or where or what state he's in. So um, his contract's up in the summer, so I, I doubt, I think that might be the end of Hanson at the club. Um, so we touched on Marcus Brown. I guess, John, you were you were on Wasn't at the Game, weren't you? Um discussing this just before it happened when everyone kind of knew it was happening but hadn't been announced um you were kind of indifferent at one point have you kind of more sold i think the points you were making was actually from a finishing perspective maybe he's a better option than white and holland when it comes down to that
2: yeah i think as well when it became clear it was a permanent as well you could get more on on board with it a sort of another loan it it would have felt a bit lazy is the wrong word but you know what i mean um but I, I kind of got on board with this point that actually Holland and White, they've missed quite a few chances. And actually, I think if Brown had been in that position, they would have been in the back of the net. You, you think back to some of the goals he scored, they were actually sort of finished you'd expect to happen as they happened. So I think there's something in him as that presence. I mean, jumping way ahead to him, I think if he'd been on the pitch against Wigan, he would have made something happen in that situation last night. Yeah. Um, to when we really yeah. needed someone to sort of grasp it a bit. So I, I don't get the sort of alternative striker change the way we play side with Marcus Brown. um, But I can see that he's got a bit more presence than Holland and to a degree white, but less so white if white was properly firing. So I know I'm, I'm happy enough with it. Um Cool. Definitely. What,
0: what do you reckon, Jack, in terms of you happy with the front line behind Matty? now in terms of the options we've got?
3: I mean, my preference, I think we said in the last pod, was that we get a a, a proper centre-forward style player in. Um, but I think, really, Brown seems to be more of a longer-term sign-in. Obviously, he's coming back from an ACL injury, which not many players kind of come back jumping around straight away. So, it's going to be a few weeks before he has an impact. So, then you're kind of into the last, what, 10 games of the season? Um, so it feels like his real impact is going to be next year when he's had pre-season again and you know played 10, 15 games this year. Um, but that's why the permanent thing's good. Because if we'd sign him on a loan and had to hang about for a couple of months while he was getting sorted out, it would just be a waste of time. So, yeah, I think he'll be able to play his, his bit in the final few games. I think a Marcus Brown coming on with 15 minutes to go at Chelton. Oh, well, there you go. There's another story you can start writing. James. <laughs> um, you know, him coming off the bench will be a terrifying thought for clubs, um, regardless of how fit he is. So, you know, I think it's probably a good one.
0: No no indication, James, on why it broke down. I think Jerome was saying maybe it will come out as time goes on, but um, I couldn't work out if he was suggesting he knew.
1: But, um... I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think... I was just going off reports in the in the sort of South London press and places like that because there was. Carl said an interesting thing about um, what what was his quote? It was uh, I don't know whether it broke down because of the player or the club. I've told people before that it's because we've turned a player down or something like that, which was yeah. I don't know what he was insinuating there, but it will be interesting.
0: Yeah, um, I have to say it was pointed out on Twitter. I think it was Tim Walker that pointed out. You know, when players leave clubs, we've had two different versions of this. We've had Marcus Brown join us and all the Middlesbrough fans were just lovely in terms of their responses to that kind of um, post on Twitter. And then you compare that with um, Kieran Brown, who's joined us, where I've never seen such a brutal departure from a club where all the Cardiff fans were just jumping in. They kept on referring to CEX, you know, like the entertainment exchange shop that you get on the high street. And I didn't understand it. And as I just went, scrolled down and down and down, someone else asked the question. And then they were like, oh, it's just because he just looks like a bloke that works at CEX. And I was like, okay, all right. Um, so apparently that's the thing. But I think he's been, um
2: I think he's been hard done by because I know a Cardiff fan who sort of asked him for his take on him. And uh, he said that he's kind of tarnished by one game where Mick McCarthy played five centre-backs in a five-man defence, which obviously <laughs> delivers a what, delivers what it's going to sound like. And then, yeah, he's played as a left wing back and that's not really what he can do. He can do a solid job there at best, but he's really a centre-back um, who's got caps from Northern Ireland and, and you know, yeah. by all accounts, he's not the greatest footballer on the planet, but he's more than capable. Um, but yeah, for some reason, this sort of tactical masterclass of five centre-backs he got the uh the brunt of that off the back of it so that
0: yeah to be fair that did come out in the thread as well where there are a few Cardiff um fans defending the fact that he was played out of position at, like a, in, a, as a, in a wing-back role and did better as a centre-back but um James did that one come about quite late or was it in the pipeline for a little bit
1: I mean I certainly hadn't heard about it um until deadline day to be honest um I don't know whether that means no one told me because that happens quite a lot, um, <laughs> or or it really was. But yeah, I mean, obviously, it was only announced at what five to eleven, wasn't it? So uh, I don't think I don't think it was only done at five to eleven. But I think yeah, I think it was quite late. I quite I, I mean, it'll it'll obviously depend. We thought Joe Grayson was going to be quite a good one, didn't we? Last <laughs> January for about
0: yeah, I completely forgot about him,
1: um, but. Yeah, I, I think it looks quite good in that he's kind of thornley lights. I think, in that he's a very similar player in where he can play and he, apparently he's also got a diagonal on him as well, which is exactly what Thornley did. So uh, he might not be Jordan Thornley, but I think he's not a bad replacement. And also, if Luke McNally's going to keep his place there anyway, we might not need him to yeah. step up and be that first-choice centre-half for a sort of playoff promotion charge.
0: John, do you reckon McNally is going to hold that place, left centre back, or do you think this new chap will be be coming in, or do you think Carl will rotate until he can work out who's going to? Th- I think performer? You,
2: you give the player who's got a permanent contract the place until he, you know, has a low confidence or has a few dodgy performances, but it doesn't hurt having this guy sniffing around him. That's um, it's quite credible. I mean, thinking linking James roberts to sort of the lateness of the signing do you pick up a sense during transfer windows of where the club's at because at the start of the day it was kind of like yeah we've got three or four in the pipeline and and the message before the weekend was okay i was quite relaxed about it all but do you get a sense from the club when they're starting these names start to come thick and fast and you know there's countless we can go through in a minute but Did you get a sense that the mood was changing or it was already always in control this this season, this window? Um,
1: I don't know. It's quite hard to say because we're sort of rarely in the actual building. Um, So I think if we were kind of in there and seeing people running around, you know, on the phones and ordering taxis with players to get to the training ground and stuff like that, um, probably would. I mean, I was was always confident that there were going to be a couple in. I don't think, again, I think when Robinson said about "Oh, we don't necessarily need to bring anyone in, but we could do or something like that, I don't need to, but I want to. I think he said, I think he always had in mind that he was going to bring people in. So, I I think it kind of went roughly, I think maybe a striker would have been, you know, let's be honest, they were linked with a few, and also there are a few that, you know, kind of seemed to be quite plausible um so I think other than that I think it it, it kind of they, they got roughly the players they wanted in roughly the positions they wanted I don't know whether they were top of the list I imagine obviously Marcus Brown probably was he, he was a long list one but um yeah I, I don't think it was kind of uh, oh god it's you know 9am on deadline day and we need to find three players to fill the three that have left yeah
0: well and what about um how do you say, is it Oisin?
1: Oisin? Smith? I think it's O'Sheen, but O's- I'm not
0: 100% O'Sean. sure. <laughs> Any advances on that, guys?
3: I think uh, my Irish partner has told me it's O'Sheen. O'Sheen, okay. It's like, it's like the female name Rosheen, but without the R, that's what I was told.
0: I'm not going to remember that. It's like when I kept saying McGuin for McGuin <laughs> for about a year. Um, undisclosed fee from uh, Dunnigan Swift's. Over a hundred grand, apparently. Is that a forum thing that someone's picked up on?
3: It was in know. one of the Northern Irish papers, so.
0: Okay. Apparently, okay. their
3: manager was quoted as saying he won't go for any less than that. So. I mean um, that's I mean, t- to be fair, with the kind of money that gets and has been thrown about in League One this window, that's a drop in the ocean, isn't it? So I don't mind that if he's seen as a prospect.
0: This is another one, James, where it kind of came
1: out of nowhere, and then you're scrambling to do a bit of research on the on the guy. I think they always they're always looking over there, aren't they? Because of the track record that they've got. So, yeah. And I'm sure he was one of the. They probably had a pool of names that he was probably in. But yeah, I mean, I hadn't heard the name specifically until the weekend. I think it did it come out in the somewhere in Northern Ireland first. I think it came became public knowledge. Um, but yeah, he. For someone who I knew nothing about, I thought he actually, having sort of met him briefly on Monday to do the kind of welcome interview sort of thing, <laughs> makes it sound like an induction. Um, but <laughs> but um, I, I was really impressed by him. He, he's quite. He look. He looks big. He's like a big for a midfielder. I think quite sort of tall, probably quite stocky, um, probably over six foot. And I thought he looks like he carries himself. Quite well for some, someone quite self confident, and for someone that's literally come over from home for the first time ever, having lived with I think I think he was living literally at home with his parents, and now he's over in England playing for a professional football club. I was quite impressed, so uh, yeah, I, I think I don't know whether he'll play towards before the end of the season. I think that might depend, obviously, on injuries and things. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I think I think there's quite high hopes for him.
0: Also, how how old is he? Early twenties type. Twenty one, yeah. Jer- Jerome said the same thing, didn't he? On, on I think it was either in the build up or post game yesterday. He said um, really encouraged by the guys' like attitude and how he, like you say, how he carried himself. So that's that's good to know. Um. So final thing on this, we'll reel off some names, um, <clears throat> put you under loads of pressure to give us insight. Uh. Maxime Biamu, Nicky Cadden, he always seems to come up. Danny Hilton, Matty Longstaff, that's an interesting one. Mansfield Town, that's a strange um, fall from grace. Hayden Roberts, Sammy Smoddix, we've already kind of covered. And then obviously Jermaine Defoe. Are these are any of these, Now you don't have to say which ones, but any of these causing you sleepless nights or causing you to write articles that never actually came into um, the public
1: eye? I'll be as vague as I can here and say there was something in some of them. <laughs> and that's, all, that's all i can probably say for fear of uh ruining any relationships
0: <laughs> that's fair um the hilton one was interesting in the whatsapp groups i was in it was just very split where the whole argument around danny hilton he would played like i don't know what it was maybe 16 17 games over two years in the championship without scoring a goal and then scored eight in not a bad record in League One, like eight and fifteen starts or something, the year before with Luton. Um but then I was just looking back at Winall, being like, if we didn't have Winall, you'd be looking at Winall saying, Winnell would be a good shout. And it's just that I still put those guys in the same bucket, but I think Danny what Danny Hilton would bring to the kind of the squad and the extra banter, and he was always a Jack Jack of the lad, you know, running around the um you know, the stadium and that. So I think it would have brought a bit of um, a buzz back, but here we are. It's Winnell, no injuries for Winnell, and then we'll be fine.
1: I, I think just on that, I'm sure we'll talk about Winnell when we talk about Sheffield Wednesday, but I, I touch wood, he does stay injury free, and obviously that is a big if. But last season, he scored six goals from February onwards. So if he does the same this season, that's not a bad return. If
0: he just keeps doing what he did, what was it? The Was it Burton at home? Yeah just creamed it from like 35 yards that'd be fine um yeah i'm a fan um okay let's, let's should we talk about some football anything else on transfers was there any other hot goss no okay so wednesday it's weird to go back to sheffield wednesday but this is just what we do now on the pod because we leave it two weeks before we talk um it was interesting because obviously Bowden came into a 10, flanked by Holland and Sykes, Taylor down the middle. First half Wednesday just steamrolled us. I think everyone was saying we were in the car going to Wigan and was catching up with um, JB, who was giving us a lift, who was at the game, was just saying, um, just felt like, and I was in the same place where I was like, if we go in 1-0 down, I'm delighted at, at this stage. And obviously Matty Taylor, um, Bannon scored that kind of really decent goal after six, seven minutes, their fans, and they obviously traveled well, were making a lot of noise, good atmosphere as well in the ground, just over 10,000. Um, 1-0, they were cra- carving us open down the right endlessly, it felt. And then obviously, Taylor rocks up, scores injury time in the first half. And then you're kind of thinking, yeah, but like, may- maybe like we'll be able to cling on, get something from the game. Um, and then obviously they they go ahead again two one Windass. that was an unbelievable little move. The second half we just had come into the game and it was actually by the time they got that goal and went ahead, I don't know James where where what it was like from your perspective. You kind of think it's two one. It's probably going to be game over at that that stage.
1: I thought so. I mean, Sheffield Wednesday one of those. I mean, the size of the club means you always think they're going to be good, especially in League One. But the the players and and they their whole team are just a team that should be good in league one and they were in the first half i thought they were excellent and uh you know when you're bringing josh Windows off the bench and he comes on you know gregory yeah. and lee gregory who's probably a championship striker as well and their 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 movement is that good you think it's going to be i thought i thought at that point when that went in i thought probably 3-1 maybe but um i'm i mean. I think it was 18 seconds, wasn't it? After <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> It was 2-2. <laughs> yeah,
0: and as soon as that goes in, John, you've got that that belief kind of back. And then actually I felt we kind of took the game to them and you, it was one of those where you just sat, I, I feel ill when games are like posed in this way where it's kind of, you it was a bit like last night at Wigan, to be honest. I just felt sick the whole time. I was like, why do we do this? Um, but obviously it was just hilarious. We scored from a corner. And it was a great, it wasn't a floaty. We generally go for the floaty back post and just, it just dwindles out. But it was drilled in. It was Bowdoin, wasn't it? It was like a beautiful cross and like power header. Great celebration. Lots of different goal cam views. Sam Winnell loving life. It was great, wasn't it?
2: I mean, definitely for just for Winnell to do it as well. Because what does that give confidence wise for the rest of the season? I mean, it was nice as well for Bowdoin to. Sort of announce himself in in that game. Really, he 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 kind of done it a few times fleetingly, but he's got that sort of composure where he sort of slows the game down, but in a good way. And and there was a lot of nice touches. And well, as we see in the, stays in the team. Spoiler alert: He stays in the team. Um, and it's that was so that was encouraging as well. Um, but if, you know if you contrast it to Wigan, we were we were in the game at two two and. It was just two teams that were playing fairly open and were having a go at each other, and you can't really complain about that. Um, but to get sim- symbolically, it, it was another. It was a getting a win against one of the so-called bigger teams, whereas we have gone through a habit of, which I'm not complaining about, of getting points against them and thinking that is quite good. But actually, there's so many good teams in this league that we do need to convert some of them, and, and it was quite important off from that basis to do that. It feels
0: different. I swear, We were, again, having this conversation last night, but it does feel different now. Like the, Even just the way we set up and play and go behind but come back, it's like even the Wigan game that we ended up losing, we were 2-0 down, weren't we? And had the character to come back and take the game to them. And, Jack, I guess we are racking up points. And it, like John says, we're not really losing many of those games. We've had draws against Rotherham. Um nil-nil we kind of we're just taking it to all those teams now we're not we don't seem too worried about who we're playing
3: well and the thing is as well we're getting the respect back now because we're seen as a force in the league we're not just kind of oh Little Oxford United who are in League One and they're happy to be here we we are a threat um, and teams know they've got to play well to beat us which I think in some previous seasons we have rolled over a little bit and we'll talk about Wigan but last night was a proper kind of gritty away performance that you want to come off the back of obviously a Sheffield Wednesday kind of game of two halves in a way. And then, well, Chillingham is just an exception to football, really. But, you know, (laughs) two different ways to win and then a good point.
0: Yeah, that's a a good thing. Let's go on to that now then. But definitely it's it's great to be taking scalps. I think if any of us us were told we'd do the double over Wednesday... In the way that we did it as well, that we must have really pissed them off both times, which is excellent. <laughs> um, anyway, um, Gillingham away then. So Jack, you travelled down and I kept giving you a lot of grief going, like, I cannot believe... Well, obviously, I was <laughs> giving very proud you a of lot you of of for going. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, well, well, I can't believe you're doing it.
3: I just- Last time I went to Gillingham, I think we won 1-0 and I said, i would never come in here ever again. But when Sam Winnell put that header in um, against Wednesday, I suddenly had this kind of... The urge. Yeah, and and I think as a football fan, you only, we are the only people who know what that feeling is to go. You know what? I'm going to go to Gillingham on Saturday. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, what a bizarre game! It's one of those that'll go in the memory bank and just be like, I I don't really understand what happened at all. Apart from we got four penalties, it's just crazy. Were
1: you were you there, James? Yeah, yeah, I was there. And and actually, funnily enough, I've been to Gillingham once as a fan and uh, I said the same, I'm never coming back here. So (laughs) the fact that I was paid to go there uh, at least made it. Well, and then the result made it worthwhile. (laughs) Yeah,
0: the day Pritchard
1: derby, no less. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He did tell me before it was the best view from a press box in football. And to be fair, it was very good, although the sun is in your eyes. So that's not ideal.
0: So this was just the first... Obviously, it's been widely publicised now. We don't need to go into too much depth. But we won the game very early, first 18 minutes. We actually played some beautiful stuff. And there was a lot of kind of... I always describe them as triangles because when you play FIFA and you press triangle and it's just a through ball that kind of... The defenders are turning around and seeing a player running in behind them. There was a lot of that going on, especially down the right-hand side. Um, Bodin's goal, though, for me, pick, a, pick of the bunch. I don't know what you thought, James, but that was... It's great to follow on from an assist obviously against Wednesday to then be so involved so early in this game.
1: I think the whole thing of it every player in that move did something that you know they can do at their best so it was McGuane kind of winning the ball driving forward at pace giving it to Sykes and and, you know Sykes occasionally or maybe previously the end product hasn't been there but he knew when to release the pass and he did it at the right time and I'm a big Bowdoin fan I think He's class, to be honest, and uh, you know there aren't many. I don't think it's necessarily fair to say there aren't many players in need one that could do that because that's ridiculous. But I, I think to have the presence of mind to do that when the chop, you, exactly the cheeky chop, when you haven't scored as well in yeah. what two three months as well, and you haven't played a huge amount, yeah, um, yeah, I I thought that was that goal was excellent. But I, as we'll talk about with Wigan, I just love a, a counter attacking goal, so uh, that was very pleasing.
0: Absolutely. And then obviously the first penalty goes in, um, which was a nice, I, I just have no belief we'll score penalties ever. So this game was just brilliant for me. Um, it just seems to have been a weird thing for us over the last couple of years. But it was great. Again, Taylor keeps his scoring run going like game by game, getting a goal every game. How many has he got for the season now? Is it 16 in all competitions or something? So he's um, he's flying and that's that's obviously only a good thing for us. And then, um, yeah, just the penalty. The thing is, and it's, again, it's been said, they were just, they were all penalties, really. Like, they're all fouls or whatever, if they're anyone else, anywhere else on the pitch. And we had uh, the celebrity ref, didn't we? Bobby uh, Madley, or whatever his name is. Um, he was very good. It,
2: it was like he was a former Premier League referee. It was funny that we were saying, um, oh yeah, he
0: had a bit of news following around for a bit, didn't he? But he, um, it was just interesting. It was as if there was no Premier League that weekend, was there? And it was like, how can I be relevant this weekend? <laughs> and he found a way. But they were penalties. And Brannigan, I have to say, like after Brannigan had got his first, he was just, he was smashing him in, just he was like sweeping it. Even if the keeper was going the right way, he wasn't, he wasn't saving him. Um, I think
1: it shows how, because it literally felt like every penalty was more sort of emphatic. Yeah,
0: because and... it's no one's holding it against you if you scored three penalties and you missed the fourth. Like. But that's
1: what it, it shows how much it's in the mind, doesn't it? Because at, at the end of the day, if you're a professional footballer, you should score every penalty you take, really. Yeah. Um, so uh so yeah, and uh, I mean, it, he was helped by the fact that I don't want to be too harsh on him, but Dahlberg was. That was probably one of the one of the worst.
0: Not... That was definitely my favourite penalty, by the way. When the keeper yeah. was like, and then the Gillingham fans were like, "Way!" <laughs> and then it's like, "Oh, oh, 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 oh okay." I've
3: He's never start... I've never seen a player sell a dummy and then forget he sold the dummy. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> but I mean, Cam, Cam Bram was just he was on it all game. I remember like there was this period in like the first half where he started dropping in as a centre half just to get the ball so he could play Hollywood passes. Like, I think that's ex- the only reason he was doing He was like, we're getting so much space. Let's just have yeah. fun. And He was like, playing centre-back, wasn't he? For yeah. like, a
0: good proportion of the game. No
2: no reason why he needed to drop in. There was no pressure. <laughs> and he was like, I just want the ball. And I just want to kind of make stuff happen. And I was like, well, if you ever needed an indication that we were definitely going to win this, that it was yeah. that for me.
0: I think they're a bit lucky for their goals as well. Being, on- I know that's yeah, harsh so, to really... Dig dig Gillingham out anymore, but um it was just a
3: shame. on uh, just on the penalties thing, there's a stat floating about last night that Salford got their first penalty of the season last night after twenty nine games and we got four in one match. It just shows how just nuts it was.
0: Yeah, that is crazy. I don't I'm pretty sure that will never happen again in the existence of Oxford United, is what I'd say.
2: Big call. Um, that's a big call. <laughs> Just
3: you wait till Winnell scores four.
0: It is weird though that we scored. What was funny when we were watching this is that obviously we beat. Link- we all remember Lincoln away 6 0. But then I was like, and what was it? We were like, what's the other one? The other- there was another one, wasn't there? We were like, I can't remember. Then eventually we were like, Barker scored. He ran from the halfway line, didn't he? And then took around everyone. And then And then we we're like, right, crew, crew. And then it was like, crew beat crew 6 0. But that, because now this is quite a regular occurrence where we smash the crap out of teams away because we beat Burton 5-1 at some point as well and whatever it is amazing where we think about where we've come from that we were in in position where this is you kind of forget some of these games
2: did you feel more pressure on the write-up of that match knowing that it was actually you kind of just got to start throwing superlatives at a page and you've got this moment of football history that you can't and you're obviously rewriting it as you go because what was the headline?
1: God, I can't remember in the... I think in the paper it was something like Cam's spot on or something like that, or, you know... But, yeah, I mean, the match report was just... Because, as I've probably said, you know, you're not just doing the match report to go up when the final whistle is also live-tweeting it at the same time. When there was, like, that three goals in the last five minutes, none of which actually really meant anything for the game, (laughs) it was just... I was just shaking my head because... You know, it was kind of rewriting bits of it, taking stuff out. I think, I think the match itself must have been so long in the end because I just thought, Do you know what, it's been such a ridiculous game. I'm keeping it all in, you know. Yeah. But, um, it yes. is kind of pressure because you know more people are going to read it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I felt, I think there was more pressure. I felt quite a lot of pressure at, at Hillsborough when James Henry scored that goal. It was kind of like, okay, we have got three minutes of stoppage time left. I can't just write any you know I've got to make this at least sound okay you know it's it's quite hard to make it like perfect because you're writing it so quickly but it was sort of a I need to at least make people read this and not think hey
0: yeah 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 I know what you mean um the final goal was pretty nice wasn't it as well like it was all the subs kind of combining william D- williams down the left and then Winnell with a cheeky kind of dummy and then Ford stretching out, getting the seventh. And um yeah, great times. And obviously great to get a, a win, obviously off the back of the Wednesday game, going into Wigan. Um Which was it. So that last night, Wigan obviously have many games in hand. Second in the league behind Rotherham. And Rotherham are gone, aren't they? I think we can all pretty much say that. I think they won 5-0 last night as well, didn't they? At Donny, who are also gone, but in a different sense of gone um, but yeah line up pretty happy with how we kind of started out again first 20 minutes against Wigan it was looking good that goal Jack it was ridiculous I mean like we were obviously in the stand and had a quite a nice view from the angle we were kind of on the left hand side watching that the kind of move unfold. I remember we were all giving Sykes a little bit of abuse. <laughs> we doing that kind of I,
3: thing. I, I was doing my not there, not there <laughs> shout, and then ten seconds later the ball's in the back of the net.
0: But he's psych I couldn't I still even watching it back can't work out if Sykes was doing that cheeky knock it round you and run the other side of you to get it. Or it was just about a bat and like really poor pass.
2: No, it was, it was it was a knock it round, but it was it a, was. it okay. looked like a Stupid... He had to go a long
3: way round, didn't yeah.
2: he? <laughs> I still don't know but... quite now how he got his foot and nicked it away. Do you think that's Jack? Is
0: that contender for one of our goal of the seasons? I think it's got to be. Isn't it's it?
3: got to be, isn't it? Because it's such a team move as well. Um it, all played, it just flowed so. Yeah, quickly, but just... and, and this was a frustrating thing that we then didn't do that again in the entire match. Really, nothing quite came off, did it again? But it was just great to see black shirts piling forward. And I think it's Steve Seddon behind Taylor when he puts it in the net, and he's just thinking, "Hold on a minute, we've just countered from our left wing back position. How have you got there?" Um, yeah, I love those kind of goals, and you show them to your friends who don't appreciate lower league football, and they're suddenly like, "Oh, blimey, that's quite good, isn't it?" They're the goals that. Yeah. really like to show off,
0: and we we had like five hundred and seventy odd or something. It was close to that mark, like away fans. If it, it sounded like it was weird, because it sounded the we were saying the acoustics in that stadium are really quite good, because it felt like it, there was a decent atmosphere, even though it was just sparsely populated across mm. like quite a few of the stands. I don't know, James, what it sounded like to you, but it's just one of them. Where- yeah, I was going to
1: say it. No, it was considering it was what just under ten thousand, I think. So. Less than half full. It was, it was a good, fo- it was a good way following. I think obviously they were helped by the drum, but they were making a bit of noise as well. It seemed like a, you know, you look at that, you looked around and thought, oh, it's going to be a bit dead tonight. But it was, uh, it was good. And obviously the goal, the goal helps. And then the second half, with the kind of get tempers flare a bit, you know, that obviously helps, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Um, I was loving that, Elliot Moore getting really wound up and. Cambran, kind of not, there was nothing in it. Him and McLean, a couple of, couple of crunching tackles and it was like, Did someone
0: enough. had the ball thrown at them at one point mm. and then Brannigan <laughs> just decided to just run in?
1: Yeah, it was because Callum Lang and Seddon had a bit of a, they they had a sort of running, and because it, it was right in front of me in the second half, that touchline, you mm. could just see every time one of them put a tackle in, the other one would leave a foot in or something, not enough for it to be a foul, but just to kind of annoy the other player and, Yeah, I think, I I was thinking as soon as Branigan, as soon as he throws the ball in Seddon's face, and I I looked at Branigan, and I just saw him steaming and I was like, (laughs) don't push him, don't push him. Luckily, only got a yellow. It
0: it was, as kind of Jack alluded to there, though, first 20 minutes was good. We had belief on the ball. We weren't just kind of working it back to our centre-backs to then boot it forward. And then we kind of lost that momentum a bit, sat a lot further back. Sykes wasn't being a bit, Maybe it's because that's the side we were mainly on, but it felt like there was a lot of times where we were kind of giving Sykes a bit of a hard time because they were just getting in down our left quite easily. And then that's naturally where the goal then comes from. It's a bit weird, Jack. I think you were saying maybe that the key like Stevens maybe might have been a little bit disappointed with that, but he had a lot of time to pick a corner out.
3: It was yeah, it's a bit of a frustrating one because I think that is the weakness in our side is a diagonal ball in behind Seddon because you've then got does the centre half come across and if so, how quick? I think Kr alluded to it. He said more and McNally didn't press as they would normally do or something. Um, yeah, it's just a bit. Yeah, it's just a bit of an annoying goal to concede, wasn't it? I'd rather be carved open than a kind of ball that beats everybody.
0: Okay i tell you what john mcguane had a weird game didn't he i thought like it was very very right at the top and also right at the bottom and his shoe fell off
2: yeah well i i was really encouraged with him sort of off the bat he was he was rolling players with ease that he can do and he was driving on at times but then he would lose confidence or he would feel the knock and go down and times he, he felt like he thought he was playing in like a Premier League game where sometimes they just get a knock and then they go down and the and the free kick gets given automatically almost and that doesn't happen in League 1. So there were times where we were all shouting you know, almost place the whistle be stronger um, but he kept wanting the ball and, and that was good and what I wanted to see from McGuane is a bit more of a progression a bit more kind of wanting the ball and then driving a lot further forward so the fact he was on the ball and getting fouled so many times tells you that he's kind of doing the right things, but I think the dial just needs to change a little bit more for me, but he was against a a midfield. Wigan were just compressing the pitch and he didn't, he didn't have that much time, but uh, I was encouraged, but equally there were moments where you were like, you're being naive there. Yeah. And Kane seemed to struggle a little bit. First game back, obviously after
0: suspension, there was a few touches where it just went astray, but, um, do you th- do you think James, watching that from your perspective, a lot of us kind of struggling to after that first twenty minutes to kind of get a hold of the game and have any attacking threat is just because it's Wigan and you can't see their shape. You know, sometimes you're not focusing on their shape and how organised they are, and essentially they're all massive.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. To be fair, they did change it, didn't they? And that's when it sort of started to turn a bit. The game, I think. I don't really. I don't think they actually changed the shape. It was just switching a few players around. And I, I thought, I mean, realistically, to go to Wigan and then and come out that way and score a goal like that was encouraging. But, you know, like yeah. it's never going to last, is it? And I think the key thing was then in the second, you know, that goal wasn't kind of, as in Lang's goal, wasn't the, you know, that was it. They, you knew they were going to score two, three more. I think even at, well... There was a bit of an onslaught at the end, but there weren't actually too many apart from the Steven's. thing so from what more? Yeah, was exactly
0: that, yeah. and it was like Tony Pulis took over managing them at half time and got the, all the towels out to dry the balls down so they could get the long throws in. Um, I'm it's actually quite frustrating for me that we conceded in the way we did from a ball over the top when they absolutely pummeled the crap out of our um, box with cr- you know, crosses, corners, free kicks, throw ins. It must have been like 15 or something like that in total and we managed to defend all of that and to be fair again Moore and McNally were just absolutely like dynamite and you've got to say for McNally to be that young and play like that that well um, I also thought he of all of you know our team he did look a bit more progressive in the play when ball did find his way to him he seemed to want to do something with it um, but it was Jack. We were saying it was uh, to the second half was awful. <laughs> like I really found it extremely stressful.
3: Um, yeah, you kind of switched into Oxford United fan mode, where you're just waiting for them to score and just. Um, but on on McNally and Moore, that's where I like McNally over Thornley because he's about six three, six four. Obviously, Moore's possibly even six five, whereas Thornley isn't even six foot. So. To have the height in a defence against Wigan was ideal. I think if we had still had Thornley and he'd have played last night, we'd have struggled a lot more clearing those first balls in. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all for a big, tall centre-back and they're ideal in those kind of scenarios.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, they did obviously score, didn't they, late on, and it wasn't given. The offside flag went up. But I had that moment where I'd already turned around and I was crying pretty much. <laughs> I, I was the
1: opposite. I I don't normally do this, but it was like the moment the ball went in, I looked at the linesman. I I couldn't even see where McGinnis was, but it, I think it was kind of a... You thought if you're playing a ball like that at that sort of angle and sort of speed, there's got to be a player in an offside position to even reach <laughs> that. So luckily I, I wasn't too worried.
0: It looked close. Uh, I, I tried to pause the replay, but I swear it looked pretty
1: close. Um, I felt like it was... He was probably maybe a yard... I don't think it was even. I don't think it was less than that. But yeah, I, it was. It was far away enough for me to be confident that the flag was going to go up.
0: Yeah. Um, as we said, Farnley was in the away end, which was obviously funny. And it did make. At the time, I was getting so confused about all the songs about Blackpool. I was like, God, have we just created this another rivalry? There was a lot of seasiders, blah blah blah, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And I was just like, What is this? Is this post? are we doing this at the end of every transfer window of the clubs that have wronged us? (laughs) Um, And then obviously Jordan, give us a song. All of it kind of made more sense after the game. Um, KR's reaction. So talks about getting a reputation for being a um, a dirty team on the road, which he quite enjoyed. Um, Really happy with the first half performance. And I think, you know, we were, we were obviously in the same, same place. And he did just say, look, probably, I think his interpretation of Wigan was they're the best team in the league is what he was saying afterwards. And I I think, you know, they're they're saying they're the benchmark and that type of thing.
2: I can't let that comment go. That's why I bolded it up in the notes. (laughs) They're they're the best team I've seen this year. I mean, they were... We haven't played, like, had to play. That's what
0: I was kind of saying to James, like, do you... It's because of what they are and how they are that we end up doing absolutely nothing in that second
1: half. No. Uh, yeah, J- uh, John. I'm interested. Sorry, John. You, yeah. you, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm picking up on that. Were you say they're they're not? Cause I, for me, they are in the top two quite comfortably with Rotherham.
2: I think they I think they're, This comes back to their sort of the football they play, which is slightly different answer the question but the kind of saying that the best is what i'm kind of picking out really because for me their their football is very much about second balls winning winning physicality getting the luck and and things falling for them um yeah. i'm not saying they're one of they're not one of the the kind of they're not they're, they're they should be where they are in the league because of how they play it's just a demoralizing it's one of those things in football you're like why is this successful mm-hmm. and we're, we're and we're the counter of it Counter of it in that we didn't have really have much of an answer to it last night, and I think we lose that game more often than we win it if it's played 10 times over. Um, but we've taken the decision to play the football we do, and we don't have as physical options in the team because it's not a perfect world where you can have players that are both physical and as talented as our, our players are. So I think for me, it's the sort of him saying they're the best team because to me, they're really not, they're just a relentless. Grind the other team off the pitch. Yeah. Unmemor- unmemorable entity.
1: Yeah, I think, for, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> for me, Rotherham and Wigan, I'd say are the most efficient teams in, in, in League One. Yeah. I got that from Rotherham as well, even though they didn't score and didn't win at the Um It was just yeah. they grind out, you know, they win 1 0, and Wigan do the same, really. I think they are going to be the top two as far as I'm concerned. I, I think they will run away it, does, it. it.
0: It always seems to be the case in League, like it was Luton and Barnsley like a few years ago, Rotherham again when they came and smashed us 3-1 at home, you know you, I always remember those t- what, what's nice is that doesn't seem to be happening to us like that gonna what's interesting the Wigan at home game we were really unlucky to lose that and we obviously 2-0 down came back into it and then it was very very, could go either way and we, I felt, you know potentially we were, start, we were edging the game. And I guess that's the only frustration is like yesterday, we had to revert to, no, let's just take a point. Um, it's interesting, if, if Gavin White had been fit, if um, Marcus Brown was here, kind of John made the point earlier, maybe our counter-attacking threat would have forced Wigan to kind of approach the game slightly differently. Especially White, like if we would, were they were playing such a high line as well, weren't they? Um. It would have so, been interesting. Yeah. Odin think... and Taylor don't you know aren't the same level of threat pace wise whatsoever yeah. as a combination. So
1: it was it was the what came off the bench, wasn't it? You know, with all due respect. Um, you know, Brian Williams is is energetic and he's kind of you know, he's he's actually a player you want to come on when you're drawing away from home, but he's not kind of your like you say, like a white or someone like that, and then Win in it was one of those where if we if Oxford had more of the ball, you'd kind of be thinking he's quite a good one to come on because you can sort of rein a few sort of high crosses in and things like that. But And then you look at the contrast of that and we can bring on Josh McGuinness, Sue and Grion Edwards and you think yeah, those yeah. are players that will make a difference. They were starting at the weekend.
0: I did feel for Matty just doing that thing where he just has to run around and pretend to challenge for headers um, <laughs> for like 85 minutes, whatever, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, but it turned out they were a little bit ill as well, right? I think Carl was saying after the game.
1: Yeah, I didn't. Um, we hadn't heard anything of that, but uh, yeah, root canal, I think for Sykes. So he was supposed to go to the dentist today. Apparently,
3: <laughs>
0: there you go. That could be soft news for next week. How did Mark Sykes's? Uh, we're getting a lot of insight to Mark Sykes's life beyond football, which is excellent. Um, right. Anything? Did anything else going on around League One that was interesting transfer-wise? As we said, um, Matty Longstaff went to Mansfield. What was the? Were there any other big hitting items for the rest of League One? Jack, I'm going to look at you.
3: Um, Sunderland signed a couple of kind of on paper good signings, um, Patrick Roberts and Jack Clark, who are probably living off their performances a few seasons ago, rather than more recent performances. But
0: Isn't, he's a football manager. Classic, isn't he? Wasn't he in Man City or someone's youth
3: team? Yeah, yeah. He was in Man City's youth team, had a really good loan spell at Celtic and then has had five not very good loan spells since, basically. But on on paper, he shouldn't be playing in League One, but neither should Sunderland. So it'd be quite funny if they uh, continue to not do particularly (laughs) well, especially as they've now sacked Johnson as well.
0: Yeah. Lost, you lose. Their thing is, it's really strange. They're very streaky as a team, aren't they? Sunderland. And, um, Obviously, you'd lose six nil. It looked horrible as well. The highlights for him, um, but their defeats have been big. So whilst they haven't lost that many games, when they have lost, they've been battered, and that was what a lot of their fans were saying: is like he doesn't. When Lee Johnson comes up against a team that kind of where the manager tactically does him, he doesn't react. He doesn't know what to do. Um, so I think that was a lot. You know, there wasn't overall disappointment coming out from their fan base, from what I was seeing.
1: They also signed Defoe, of course, very late. I think it was announced that, I mean, obviously, as he was a free agent, I don't think it, it mattered in terms of getting done before the deadline, but I think it was at like 1am or so. I felt really sorry for the Sunderland reporter covering that one because I, I, even by then, I, even I was asleep by that point.
0: <laughs> yeah. I swear they had like one of their podcasts or something lingering around outside the stadium, just going... Oh, it's Jermaine.
3: <laughs> yeah, but they they got the wrong guy to begin with because they signed Jay Matete from Fleetwood and they thought it was Defoe, wasn't it, when he was driving into the training uh, ground? Can you imagine
0: being that guy, though, being the disappointment? I don't know. Sad. Anyway, um, Sunderland remain in third place. It is interesting they're in third, three, two points off second and the manager's getting sacked. You kind of feel like, give the guy the season. Yeah. Um, Anyway, but Milton Keynes, uh, Wickham still lingering around there. But obviously, there's only two points between us and four. Full play 29 games now. It's only, I guess, Wigan have got the three games in hand above. And then um, Plymouth, three points off us with the game in hand. I don't know. It, it, we, we have previously said there is that kind of group that are escaping. And it probably is like the top top nine um it switched kind of away from it, so it's only really Wednesday, to, you know, top eight that are in contention now. So I hope that continues to be a thing, and there's less stress on this playoff place.
1: It is funny because you get like, I think Portsmouth are one of those teams now that aren't even in that top. Nine. Oh god,
0: or... yeah. Do you know what? I hadn't even spotted they've got two games in hand, but you're right, they're 12 points off. Um, yeah, 14 points off. Oh no, sorry, 12 points off us, right?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that shows how crazy, and, and actually Charlton as well, they're not in that, Bolton aren't in that, again, it shows the sort of calibre of teams. But yeah, I, I, I agree, I think there's kind of a, a top a top nine, and I think Oxford are sort of firmly in that, maybe second, for me, that second run, there's the, the few that I think will get in the top two, and then I think Oxford are in that, the very likely playoff places for me, personally.
0: I had a moment of realisation that I've had a few times over the last two, three years where we're probably going to, you know, if we continue to do all right, as you say, we're probably going to get in the playoffs. And that's going to be horrible. Like, it's going to be so horrible. Because, like, knowing it's the third successive year, if we do get there, I don't want, you know, I don't want to jinx it. But I just started thinking about it going, look, if we finish fourth, obviously it's progress. It's great. Uh, You know, that's where we probably should be finishing based on, the scale of the club at the moment and the squad we've got should be finishing top six you'd think but I just can't go through I can't <laughs> I just I was just thinking about like the prospects of being at Wembley or something I just
1: the interesting thing though this would be it and again if I don't want to drink anything but it would actually be the first one with full crowds
2: I know two
1: playoff campaigns in a row with barely anyone there
2: so they don't count yeah Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) It's just getting, I know it's obviously getting ahead, but I just, um, the prospect of the whole thing adds that's so much pressure for a club to be in it for a third time. There's press that comes with that. But I do think the team, the squad, the confidence in the team, the characters, the amount of comeback, like points we've won from losing positions, all of that stuff this season, it's like it is a different atmosphere. Um, keep thinking about that MK away game where Brannigan just picked everyone up and was just like no like we're not losing this game I um, just want more of that anyway there was a nice segue when you mentioned Pompey James um, into Pompey and I didn't take it
2: it was the yeah I know <laughs>
0: um, who wants to talk about Pompey
3: um, they're not very good recently mm. they've not won for well one win in six I think it is Um no, stops. Stop scoring as many goals as well. But they seemed happy to let John Marquis go out the door in January. Um, but they did replace him with Tyler Walker, who I think we all said is. I mean, I wouldn't mm. have minded him coming in on loan at all. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think they're a bit of the funny side this year because obviously the Cowleys took over at the back end of last season. Um, and they haven't really got going, like you say. They've slipped what twelve points off of playoffs now. They've got two games in hand, but I, I was trying to look at some of their stats earlier, and they they seem to flip between a three four one two and a four three two one, and never quite seem to quite click. I don't know, James, if you know much from the the ports defenders in what their thoughts are, but they just seem to be not something's not working.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't know a huge amount, but I was talking to a reporter there today, actually, um, and, uh, yeah, I think it, the, the kind of general consensus is that's about where they deserve to be, sort of, it'll be kind of a bit of a nothing end to season, and, you know, who knows? It, it's, I think the budget's the issue there, isn't it? Although, then again, I think, I believe, they spent quite a bit on getting Tyler Walker, and I think they're paying quite a bit, so... um Maybe they've loosened it a bit, but uh, yeah, they seem to be a kind of club that at the moment are sort of in a bit of a treading water. Aren't? Well, not treading water; that's the wrong phase, but sort of there or thereabouts, but not really threatening. And I, I think to... it'll
0: be frustrating for them after last season, won't it? To be in that position.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because where did they? Have... Was it two or three playoff? Campaigns in a row. In Actually, yeah.
0: To come to think of it, so I'm, I'm getting mixed up, aren't I? So they obviously played us in that um the two one all games. Yeah. Where did they finish last? I don't even remember where they finished last season.
1: Oh, well, they f- they were eighth, weren't they? Because it was Charlton, Oxford, and Pompey, and all going for the final. No, they were seventh. Seventh. No, that they, they were. Eighth. Do you know what? Okay, here we go. They, were, <laughs> they started the day. They started the day seventh. Oxford needed to beat Burton. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. They the, lost oh, to the Accrington, It was the they? keeper.
3: Had a worldie for Aki, didn't yeah. they?
1: Aki, yeah. Actually, yes. Oh. Did they start the day six? I think they did. They just had to beat Accrington.
0: Yeah. They
3: had to bet, yeah, they had to do the same as us, didn't they? Because that's yeah.
1: why, they. Were, yeah, at the end of the Oxford game, they were waiting for the result. And then Charlton ended up actually finishing seventh, level on points and only off it on goal difference. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. They, they've had a few. And I think they were in the semifinals, the season before they lost in the semifinals. To so I think they lost to Sunderland, so they've had basically three years of near misses.
0: Yeah, they've only scored twice in the last five games, if I'm reading that correctly. Um, which isn't, you know, Ronan Curtis is still there. I thought he, I don't know, he'll get
3: a nice reception
2: then. How <laughs> oh, the mighty he's... have gone nowhere.
0: He's oh one God. of them where I actually thought he was a he was a player. It was one of them where if he's in your team, you kind of quite happy, but three goals, four assists for him. Marcus Harness scored against us
1: before, hasn't he? I remember. I think he's their player of the season, isn't he, quite considerably.
0: Uh, A player with an assist called Marlon Beresford Baker Romeo. That's a good name. Look out for him at Pompey. Um, Predictions, guys? James, what are you saying? You have to call it. It's going in the paper.
1: (laughs) Right now, I'm going to say 1-0 to Oxford. I don't think yeah, one nil. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna explain my reasoning because I'm more likely to get it wrong. <laughs> than what I thought about it. Who's scoring? Um, Taylor because he's scoring all the time.
2: John, I'm gonna. I'm feeling quite confident about this one. I think they're a good. I think they're a team we like to play. They'll probably try and play football and don't seem that like they're that good at it at the moment. So I think <laughs> we'll. I want to go three nil. Three nil. Okay, Jack.
0: Um, 2-1 We beat Portsmouth 3-0 at home that was when Van Kessel (laughs) was the player of the world I swear in his interview after that game he said I should be playing a much better club but here I am at Oxford United and then we were like well you're an arrogant asshole." and turned out to be right I don't know where he is now who knows?
3: He's just signed. I just found him here for a team. In always
0: he's on it. Third
3: test. tier of Swedish football. So his career has gone in the direction it was looking like it was going
1: to. I wonder if he's playing in the same team as Ivo Bukowski or whatever. <laughs> Great times.
0: <laughs> um February is looking like an interesting month. So it's been, you know, lots of Saturday, Tuesday. So obviously Pompey Saturday. Accrington away. We'll be at that again. If JB's listening, please don't give me a heart attack with your driving, John. Um, me and uh, John from the pod were very—I was very emotionally drained after that ride yesterday. Um, but we got home <laughs> in a
2: record time, so I'm very grateful. <laughs> it it was—it was very impressive.
0: Records were broken. Um, anyway, then we got Bolton at home, Charlton away the following Saturday, Crew away, which I might try and get to because I've never been—never been to Crew to watch Dan score a brace. And then we got Cambridge at home. So what? That's
2: All very winnable, aren't they? Yeah, all very winnable. Bolton, maybe a little bit of a resurgence. Charlton away, no doubt, it's tricky, but I don't know.
3: Yeah, Aki away on a Tuesday feels more difficult just because it's a Tuesday. It's that classic, can you do it on a Tuesday night in Accrington type approach, isn't it? I think Bolton and Charlton are both attempting a bit of a resurgence, having signed quite a few players. Um, but then you look at the back end of the month, Crew and Cranbridge, and think, you know, if you come through the the Bolton and Charlton games, there should be a good chance of a reasonable haul by the end of the month.
0: It could be, it's cliche, isn't it? But it, it's going to be very interesting. I think if you if we have a good February, we're you know in a very 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 good position.
2: It, um, it'll be it's another set of games to play to the thing I was moan about that you've got some teams there that are probably going to try and stop us doing what we do and what and how do we then counter that accordingly then there's others that will just play football against us and we'll probably beat them um and then there's yeah as you said there's a couple of away ties where you just need to keep things tight but overall class should tell but ultimately alter- yeah. it's one of those in there is going to surprise us so they just got that feel about them
0: we we are we do like a run though. We usually we kind of average two runs a season under Carl. So we're we're three unbeaten now. So let's see if we can keep it that way until
1: the end of um Feb. that will be all right. All wins. There you go. I think right. Uh, yeah. If you, I, I'll just get to the end of February and you're on sixty plus points. That is very very good for playoffs, at least, isn't it?
0: The thing that made me think about. Um, Pritchard earlier on, obviously beyond Gillingham, was I saw him tweeting something like, We've got to fifty points three games earlier than last season. He's still he's still coming up with these stats, James. He like, was is, he, absolute, is it a competition?
1: He he genuinely he was an absolute lifesaver on Saturday because there were so many massive stats going around. He was just whatsapping me like, you know, first time scored three in twenty minutes since Brentford, you know, first I can't remember, but there were a fair few there, and uh, yes, he was. It, it, those a lot of them went in my report.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, if you're listening, Dave, we'll get you on at some point, and you can line up some stats for us. That'd be great. Um, James, thanks for coming on, bud. Maybe we'll get you on again before the end of the season. You can have a mat- you know, hat trick ball at that point. Yeah. Um, John, Jack, thanks as always, and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>